Good afternoon, everybody. How are you all doing today? Great. Awesome. Cool. It's pretty warm in here. Do you all have your handouts today? Yep. If you have a handout, it's useful for many things. If it's warm, you can fan yourself. However, we do use these kind of as a guide as we go through our study. And our study today might be a little bit shorter than we're used to, and that's for a special reason. Today we do have a, some special guests with us, some friends that were with us at the very beginning of Connections Ministries. And um, there's a singing group called Theocracy that was around. They had started about 20 years ago. Not that they stayed together for 20 years. <laughs> but for 20 years, 20 years ago we had started, and um, it's really just a group of people that wanted to praise God together, worship God, and, and declare that message everywhere that God is ruler of our lives. So we want to welcome them back. Um, at the end of our service, we're going to be having a kind of a mini concert, but really it's just praising God and acknowledging him. So please stay for that before we have our fellowship lunch. Okay. Um, do any of you need envelopes for your tithes and offerings? If you need an envelope, shoot your hand up in the air, and we do have someone that will help you with that. We do take up tithes and offerings that will be happening after the, the study today. Our study today is entitled Song of Freedom. Who here likes to sing? Yeah? I didn't say who sings well. I just said who likes to sing. I know many of you do. You know, I, I follow you on Facebook, and um, I see you singing karaoke, and that's all good. And sometimes there's something very awesome about a song that you're able to just sing. There's something liberating about it and very freeing when you start, when you're able to sing just like sing from your heart, you know, and it's, it's beautiful. Although the sound might not be very awesome, it's an awesome feeling, right? Our key text today is entitled, oh, sorry, our key text today is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Our first section is called slaves, slaves. When you hear that word, do you get a negative picture in your mind? Yeah, a lot of the time we think, oh, slavery, it's bad. Slavery is terrible. Yet everywhere in the Bible we read about slaves and masters, right? If it's so terrible, why, do, why does the Bible use this language so much? Slaves. Let's look here, and we're going to take a different angle when we look at slavery today. Okay, we're going to be looking at here at John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So let's notice what's happening here first, right? What I want to talk about here is that in a way we are all slaves to a depraved and deceived mind. We are all slaves to a depraved and deceived mind. Now here in verse 31, we see Jesus addressing who? The Jews that believed. And then it says, they, some people from the crowd, they said to Jesus in verse 33, um, 
hold on, we are descendants of Abraham and we have never been slaves of anyone. Let's stop right there. He's talking to who here? The Jews, right? And the Jews replied to him, wait, hold on, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. Has anybody here read through the Old Testament a little? Yeah? And have you not seen the Jews like slaves throughout? Every time they didn't trust in the Lord and they didn't obey the Lord, the Lord allowed them to be given into the hands of a master. So these people were indeed slaves to someone. However, remember it says Jesus was speaking this to those who believed, but those who aren't believing answered him back. If that's true, if the truth could set us free, why would you say the truth could set us free when we've never been imprisoned? Right? They've been deceived in their own thinking. Something has corrupted their mind to the reality of what truly is. Now, here as Christians today, we might think, I know the Lord. I know Jesus. He died for my sins. He set me free. And for some reason, all we want is that freedom. But what freedom are we really talking about here? How many of us have been deceived by a different way of thinking? I've been deceived many, many times. Please tell me I'm not alone. <laughs> All right? And sometimes we think that we're good. We're good with God. Just because I accepted Jesus and I got baptized, all of a sudden now me and God are good and his grace covers me so I could just go do whatever. Deceived. And there's so much that corrupts our mind little by little. You know, when we don't have our small groups or we don't have our gatherings here, praise gathering, and I don't get to be with other believers regularly, and I'm kind of on my own, there are many things that can come and start corrupting my mind. There are many things that say, hey, nobody would know. All right, you go ahead, you do you. Whatever that means, you do you. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It, you do you, it's a selfish thing. It's a thing about self. And really, we're not supposed to, life is not really all about us. Verse 33 tells us that these Jews are saying, well, we were never slaves before, but Jesus corrects their thinking. Listen, anyone that has sinned is a slave of sin, a slave to sin. Are we slaves of righteousness or are we slaves to sin? Let's be honest. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's heavy. Let, let's go on. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 17. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one, for, one with her in body? For it is said, the two become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now we talk about the body of Christ. Anyone who is a believer is part of the body of Christ. And your bodies are all members of Christ's body. And his body, his spirit, inhabits his body, right? But if we give 
ourselves to a prostitute, something, somebody that's promising you something but wants more in return. That's what a prostitute is, right? They're offering you something, but they want to take more in return. It's going to cost you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Here's what the devil does with us, isn't it? The world and your fleshly desires promise you, you know, they're offering you something, but really they're taking your soul, right? So why would you give yourself to the sin prostitute and unite yourself with that thing rather than being united with the Lord in his spirit? Slaves, what are we truly slaves of? There is such a thing as becoming a slave of freedom itself. Isn't that kind of an oxymoron? There is such a thing as becoming a slave of freedom itself. We need to distinguish between liberty and license as we talk about freedom. Not all freedom is the same. We don't focus on the same thing when we talk about freedom. Let's break it down. License. What is license? License is a freedom from something a form of absolute freedom without any form of law, code, or restraint. There's nothing that governs this free person's life. They are free to do anything. I know some people that have uh, retired, you know? And they're like, I'm retired now. I can do anything I want because they are not enslaved by their work anymore. I have the freedom to go and do anything with my time and everything's, everything's there, right? It's like a license. They're, they're free from work. And work used to kind of rule their life, right? So that's a license. Um, absolute freedom without any form of law, code, or restraint. And then there's liberty. When we talk about freedom, we hear that word liberty. What is liberty? It is the freedom for something. The freedom for something. The freedom to carry out the virtues and do the good without restraint. There's no restraint when you're doing good, right? This is liberty. So the freedom that God sent his son Jesus for, because it says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. See, there's two things that are happening here. He sets us free from sin, right? He sets us free from sin, but he sets us free for freedom. But what do we focus more on as Christians? We're looking at the license. I've been set free from sin, or at least the, the wages of sin. We accept Jesus because we don't want to die. We accept Jesus because we take his grace. Right? And all we're focusing on is that license. But so many young Christians in the faith have asked themselves a question. Now that I've accepted Jesus, what do I do? Oh, don't worry. You just, you're already saved. Don't worry. You already accepted Jesus. And they leave you alone in the church. And nobody's walking with you and helping you to maturity and spiritual maturity. Because the only point was, oh, make Christians. Get them baptized. A lot of the time, that's just the focus. And we forget about the liberty that is ours in Christ Jesus. We were saved for good works, for good deeds. So in a Christian context, let's, let's look at this. In a Christian context, liberty is the most free a person can be. You get that? Liberty is the most free a person can be. License is an enslavement to sin. 
Because what is sin after all? The Bible tells us that sin is lawlessness. It's not necessarily doing bad things. Sin is lawlessness, living free from any form of law or code or restraint. In a Christian context, liberty is the most free a person can be. License is an enslavement to sin because it is lawlessness. So it is said that a virtuous man is the most free. A virtuous man is the most free. Why? Let's look at it like this. If you have the desire to kill someone, but there's a law that says you are not allowed to kill, all of a sudden, that law restrains you from doing what you desire to do. You want to kill someone, but there's a law that says you cannot kill. So there is restraint there. However, if you were a virtuous man, then you don't have the desire to kill anybody. So even though there is a law that says you shall not kill, there's nothing restraining you anyway because you're not going to kill. You don't have that desire to kill. You're living a virtuous life. There would be nothing restraining you. Let's look at it this way. I've told this story many times about my son, my second son, who ran away from home. He wasn't trying to run away from home. He just ran out of the house and wanted to get to Walmart. Okay, so he wasn't running from something. He was running to something, you see. He was running to Walmart for a gumball. And uh, he was able to manage to get out the front door. He undid the locks. We had a, a chain lock, and he was able to undo the, the front lock and run out the door with his bare feet, and he just ran. Unfortunately, on the way to Walmart, he met an accident. A car hit him on the main intersection there, outside our neighborhood, outside Walmart. And he had almost made it, you know? And he gets hit by this car. I praise the Lord every day and I thank him that he spared our son's life and our son is with us, happy and cheerful as ever. But when that whole incident happened, we realized we need to do something. The, the, the little chain on the lock, it, it's not enough because he learned how to undo that. So we ended up getting a double lock where you need a key to get in the house and out of the house. So if you've ever come to visit us and it takes us a long time to answer the door, we're looking for a key to open the door. Okay? <laughs> I, I apologize, but it's for good reason. We, we need that lock on the door to restrain our son from running to Walmart on his own. You see? And my, my boys, now our, our third son, he loves to just be outside all the time. Every time he sees the door cracked open, he needs to run through it. It's just built in him. Freedom! Because we homeschool and we're home together all the time. I'm sure they want their freedom. So freedom for them is getting out that door and being outside and playing out in the world. So for them, there is a lock. We're all in the house together. But for them, there's something that blocks them from what they desire to do, something that restrains them. On the other hand, I am a bit of a homebody. I don't even know if the front door is locked or not sometimes because I don't bother going to. I love to be at home. I, I, it's comfortable, it's safe, it's, you know, the, everything I need is right there, so. <laughs> so there I am, and I'm sitting in, sitting at home. The lock is still there, right? Is it restraining me from doing what I desire to do? No, because that lock is meant to keep those in the house safe. 
and I feel safe in my house, right? So it's a matter of experience, you see. Me and my boys are in the house. They want to leave, but I like being where I am in the house. That lock is still there, but it affects both of us very differently, doesn't it? God's law is still God's law, and it's still there. But how does God's law affect you? Do you feel like it's restraining you from doing all the evil things your heart wants to do? But I want to sleep with that person I don't know. But I want to view pornography. But I like to get drunk. All the things God doesn't want us to do, there's a law that says, listen, you, you don't live that way. And then we hate God for it. Sometimes we just want more. We don't even know what's out there. We don't want to break a law. We just want to know what's more outside of this experience. This brings me back to the Garden of Eden, hey? Adam and Eve, you are free to eat from any tree in all this beautiful creation that I have made for you. You're free to eat of any of the fruit that grows on the tree, except this one. Law. Restraint. But what happens, Eve says, if I just take a bite, you know? It looks good. So she takes a bite. She doesn't die right away. Adam, come over here. God said, don't eat from this tree, but you got to taste this. It's really good. I'm still here. So together, they want to see, can they trust God's word? Or did they have to test it out first to see if they could trust God? all of a sudden, all humanity falls enslaved to sin. You see how it works. We go against God's law, you find yourself enslaved to sin. When you don't trust God and obey what he says, you find yourself enslaved to another master. Because you don't stay with God in his spirit, you go and prostitute the body of Christ by sleeping with other things in the world, and you become united with that thing instead of God. Slaves. Slaves. Why do people need to be a slave, you say? If I'm not a slave to God, can't I just be my own, like live for myself? I'm not going to be enslaved to anybody else. However, we start to worship freedom itself, and that freedom becomes an entrapment for us. Because of the way that God created us, we were made to worship. That's our next section, made to worship. When we read these two passages, Isaiah 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We were created for his glory. And Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we also have 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. We were meant to glorify God. Okay? Mankind was created in God's image. We were made to glorify God. Our purpose is to worship. To glorify God means to worship him. What exactly, my friends, are you worshiping? What exactly are you glorifying? What exactly are you standing for today? What is so important in your life that when people talk about you, they know that you are all about that thing? I had an idol once upon a time, 
that I used to kind of force on everybody. This idol was called, I don't want to get in trouble. There's a certain coffee company that's well known to many. And I used to declare this coffee company above all other coffee companies. And I said, oh, you drink at that place? No, please, I drink over here, right? If you want to go for coffee, it can't be anywhere else but here. See, it was holy to me. It was set apart. It was sacred. And in some way, I was worshiping this thing. It's what I stood for. It's what I declared. And anytime I wanted a good time, I needed to go there. Or at least drop by and pick it up and bring it home with me. Because life, my day was incomplete without a drink from that particular place. What are you standing for? What do you glorify? Maybe it's a sports team. Maybe it's your favorite actor or singer, favorite TV show. And you declare this all the time. And when your show is on, or when their song is playing, or when the game is on, all things stop. Because it's all about them. And you, you make your life revolve around that. My friends, in, in a way, we give a bit of our worship to those very things. And I warn you, I caution you, do not get ensnared by the desires of this world. Because all these little idols that we worship will one day pass away and they will be no longer. And in a way, you have become enslaved by these very things that you uphold and desire and are dear to your heart. Maybe it is another individual, a partner, a spouse, whatever it, whoever it is. You would do anything for them. You, in a way, worship them and they become your God. What they say matters to you so much. How they feel about you, you start to see yourself as that. You allow this person, in a way, to become your God. We were all made to worship. What are you worshiping today? Let's look at Psalm 100. Very short psalm, five verses long. And I always ask myself that question, what does it mean to glorify God? What does it look like? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I love this passage, but you notice the underlined words. If you could go back on that slide. Shout for joy to the Lord. We hear verses in the Bible, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice or be full of joy. I love when it says, be full of joy. See, that joy, it's more than just an attitude, but it's something that stems from within you. It's not because something externally is making you happy, but joy stems up from within you. So shout for joy to the Lord. I know there are many other things that make us shout for joy. We get so excited about our little idols and our little gods. And when they do something fun, we shout for joy from the inside of us. It, it grasps everything that we are, and we, we're fully there, and we are acknowledging that thing. But it's not just a matter of feeling good and being joyful. It says, shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, all that he has created, should honor and glorify the creator, the one who made it all. It's an attitude. Worship 
more than a verb. It's an attitude that we carry within us, worship, and know that the Lord is God. Know in a very intimate way. Not just hear a few words and agree with it, but know it from the inside of your soul. So we worship God for who he is. Who is he? He is creator, redeemer, sovereign king. His character is loving, merciful, compassionate, good, fair, righteous, just, all-powerful. <laughs> and we worship God for all he has done. What has he done? Well, he's made a way for us to come back to him. He saves us. He heals us. He guides us, equips, empowers. He gives good gifts, and he leads us on paths of righteousness. What has the Lord done for you lately? Everything that's good in your life, my friends. Everything that is good. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Anybody here want to know God's will for your life? You want to know God's will? Look at the screen. This is it. This is God's will for you. Rejoice always, be full of joy always to the Lord. Pray continually, not to yourself, to the Lord. Okay? Give thanks in all circumstances. Don't just be thankful that something happened because it didn't go another way. When you give thanks, you're acknowledging that in the circumstance, there's someone you are directing that thanks to, that thanksgiving. Who are you giving thanks to if you're just like, oh, yeah, I, I'm happy? There's no thanks being given to anybody, the source in those circumstances. All these three things working together, my friends, this is worship. This is what worship looks like, okay? And this is God's will for your life, to worship him. Why should we worship him? Why do we need God in our life? We sang that song a moment ago, Here in My Life. And there's a bridge with clarification, a declaration that Jesus, you are my freedom. You are my freedom, and I need you here in my life. Now, it's a beautiful song. I don't know about you. Sometimes I get a little teary-eyed still when I sing that song. Why? Because that truth is so compelling. That it's not just I want Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. When you are in bondage and you crave freedom, remember, you need Jesus more than you need that freedom. I need you in my life. It's not that I need freedom. But when Jesus is in your life, my friends, there is true liberty. There is true freedom. It gives you something to live for. How is that? You were made free so that you could worship God without restraint. You can live your life a living sacrifice unto the Lord without restraint. Because doing that, my friends, that's where we're supposed to be. It's a good thing because you were created to glorify God. What song are you singing today? Freedom. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You guys know this one? True Nori, Pure Levad, X Praise. It's hard to remember. Yes, mother. Oh, I'm sorry. My mother that coined the term says it is to Norai, Pulavad, ex praise. It's a different tongue, mother. <laughs> to Norai, whatever is right, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or worthy of praise. Think on these things. So if you want to practice pronouncing it, it's in your handout. True norai pulavad ex praise. And anytime you're not sure what to do or where to put your mind, think about this weird word that was brought up here. And it points to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. True norai pulavad ex praise. Why should we think about these things, these virtuous things? See, we tend to go in the direction of where our mind is set. Okay? We tend to live in accordance with the with the attitude of our mind. When we set our minds in the way of Christ, we would lead a more virtuous life where we can experience the freedom that he gives. What is your mindset on today? When we gather together for praise gathering, it's called a praise gathering for a reason. We're not here to get anything. We're here to praise our God. And as we praise him and seek him, he reveals himself to us, you see. And as he reveals himself to us, his spirit comes alive within you. And he brings wisdom and understanding. And we can come in response to God with a true song of freedom from within us when we set our minds on him. Perfect peace. When our mind is set on the Lord, my friends, we have perfect peace. What does freedom look like? I want you to get a picture of peace in your mind. Peace with your maker. That there's nothing that hinders you from coming to him so long as you are in Christ Jesus. Peace. True freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So there's another acronym that my mother coined. And it's helped me remember this verse too. L-J-P-P-King-Fay-Jez. There's two Gs. First one's goodness, the second one's gentleness. L-J-P-P-King-Fay-Jez. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is all these things. And when God's Spirit grows this fruit in your life, and you start producing this fruit, my friends, against such things there is no law. There is no restraint to do good and live a virtuous Christian life as we make a life in the way of Jesus. If you feel like there's something blocking you from doing good, just because your boss says, and you know, as Christians, sometimes it's bad. What we've done, we've said, listen, your boss says this, so you have to do it. But if what your boss is saying goes against what God says, you always go with what God says. You hear me? 
Do not be abused. If your husband or wife says, it must be this way, and the more submissive person has said, okay, well, you know, my husband or my, well, nowadays it's, well, my wife said I can't. What do you mean your wife said you can't? Let's go. It's boys' night, right? <laughs> Grumbles. <laughs> But in that, you know, like we, we said, but if you're submitted to them, then you'll do what, what they want, right? But some people abuse this. Like, they really abuse this way of thinking. And out of fear, they are motivated to live their life out of fear because of what might happen if they don't bow to this worldly authority. But God's authority is higher. And it is above. No matter what anybody in authority here says, I, I'm telling you, do not disrespect the authorities that are in place. Any true authority that is here on earth is given by God, and it's at that place, at that time, for reasons beyond our understanding. Okay? But do not put anybody's authority above God's authority in your life. Yes? Yeah. That's right. That's absolutely right. Ah. <laughs> and we continue to pray for one another in our church. <laughs> it's all good. See, friends, when the fruit of the Spirit is growing within us and we live according to the way of Christ, we experience liberty. What is liberty? It is the freedom to carry out the virtues and do good without restraint. There's nothing holding you back from doing the will of God. There's nothing holding you back from doing what God has called you to do. Why aren't you doing it? Why are you not experiencing this freedom and, and living with the freedom that God has given you? What are you using your freedom for? Freedom. Look at that. Yay, restraint. <laughs> Parents, we know that all too well. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. Do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's that word. Everybody say submit. Submit. Could we sound more cheery when we say submit? Say submit. Who, who do we submit to? One another. What? I'm not going to submit to that dude over there. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Spirit-filled Christians are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Voluntary submission is a service given to God through the control of his spirit. I think a lot of the reason a lot of the time why we feel we don't want to submit to anybody. We're afraid of being enslaved. We think we're free now, but we're afraid of being enslaved and given to the control of somebody else. 
My friends, there is always something that will be controlling your life. And some of those things that control your life will make you seem like you're out of control because you're not in control. How do you like that? You're not in control. Any control freaks in the room today? Come on. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Let's play nice. Let's play nice. <laughs> it's funny. When one person's calling out the other, it's like, which one's the controlling one? <laughs> um, yeah, but there's always something that's going to be controlling your life. Do not be deceived. and Don't have a deceived mind or a depraved mind. You think that you're free, but if you're not submitted to, to God, if you're not submitted to the way of Christ, then you're submitted to something else. Whether you realize you've chosen that or not, something else is in control. A lesson that we learn from the call of mutual submission in the marital relationship helps us understand how submission to God is the opening to experience true freedom. It's a lot of kids. Hey, kids, sit with your parents and be restrained. <laughs> Their lesson today was uh, to do with our lesson as well, I believe. Authority. What can we learn from the marriage relationship? If you continue reading on in that chapter there in Ephesians chapter 5 on your own time, verses 22 to 23, this verse, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, it, it flows into this picture of marriage. A lot of Christians believe that it's only the wife that needs to submit to the authority of the husband. But that's not what these passages are talking about. It tells the wives, submit. It also tells the husband that he also must submit. They submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, not bowing down and taking the spouse as the authority or the God in their life. What example do we know where our Lord Jesus Christ took off his outer coat and he wrapped the towel around his waist and he lowered himself to the form of a servant and he washed his disciples' feet? He took the form of a servant, the posture of a servant, to give honor to his followers, and he expected them to do the same. Jesus is a leader that will never ask us to do anything that he himself hasn't done. He leads us by example, and his example is one that we can clearly follow. And we can do so because the spirit that was alive in Christ is the same spirit that he has given to us as we follow him. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How's your freedom today, friends? I hope that as we continue to learn more about God, as we submit to God and his way, as we learn to love his word and walk the path of righteousness, I pray that you would all be empowered by God's spirit. Empowered to sing a song from your heart, a true song of freedom that will declare all the good things that God has done and declare who our God truly is. May his praise be ever on your lips. This is my prayer. Let's all stand and worship God together.